good morning. And thanks for tuning in to Leaders Playbook, where you'll discover what emotional intelligence is all about and how to raise yours to be a top performer in business. Now, here's your host, Dr. Rell. Welcome to the Leaders Playbook Tools for Top Performance. The goal here is to give you hands-on emotional intelligence tools and practices. Have you ever felt totally understood by a coworker or a boss? What was it that let you really feel that way? Why is empathy important for leaders? Have you ever had an emotional reaction that you were out of control and later regretted it about what you said or maybe about what you did? What do we know about the brain's workings with these reactions when we're feeling empathy and when we're getting emotionally reactive? Are there ways to enhance your empathy? These are the questions that we're going to focus on in this session. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, your host, psychologist and executive coach. And today in the Star Secret segment, we're going to have our guest, Dr. Marco Iacoboni from UCLA's Brain Mapping Center of the David Geffen School of Medicine. Dr. Iacoboni's research has been covered by the New York Times in the front page, Los Angeles Times, Wall Street Journal, Newsweek, Time, The Economist, and major TV networks. Dr. Iacoboni has just finished a book, which he'll talk to us a little bit about in a little bit when we bring him on, called Mirroring People, and it'll be published in 2008. But first, I want to tie in uh, what we're doing here to help you raise your emotional intelligence, give you tools that you can use for yourself and that you can use for the people that you develop. In the last session, one of the um, templates, leadership templates that you were able to download was called the Derailer Detector. And it was on the website, www.leadersplaybook.com. The goal was either for you or for your direct report to notice are there some fatal flaws. Basically, in development of leadership, development of executives, we really want to focus on strengths. We've talked about strengths in the past. You had an opportunity to take the EI star profile and look at uh, that's still on the website to look at that. But these derailers can many times trump some of the strengths that you have. And so this uh, derailer detector gives you an opportunity to notice uh, what some of these derailers are. And when we talk to Dr. Iacoboni, we'll pick up on some of these. But some of them are the smartest person in the room syndrome. You have to be right all the time. You're married to your own ideas. You're not open uh, or distrust new ideas. Lack of uh, impulse control. This is that emotional Mostly reactive state, we'll get more into that. Maybe you drive others too hard, you're perfectionistic, you're defensive, you don't learn from mistakes, you don't have insight into others, some of this may get into the empathy that we'll talk about, you don't ask for feedback, there's self-promotion, lack of integrity, or maybe you're indirect with others. These are things that are on the derailleur detector that you can take either for yourself or for your direct report to get a better feel for what are some of the things that you really need to fix. So I want to spend a little bit more time talking about lack of impulse control, and then we'll we'll quiz Dr. Iacoboni about this. But lack of impulse control is one of the key derailers that I've seen. And often working with executives, they're high-stressed, and I've noticed situations in, in, in a meeting where someone will get upset in the meeting. 
And that's the practice field or the arena for executives. You spend probably 50% of your time in meetings. That's not the place that you want to have an emotional reaction. And I've seen that happen where people get upset. They throw papers across the room. You know, they swear. And people remember those, these emotional reactions. People remember. <clears throat> Daniel Goleman, who wrote uh, Emotional Intelligence, first came up with this term that I had not heard before called the amygdala hijack. And the amygdala is the old primitive part of the brain which regulates the fight-or-flight response. And, it, and we can get hijacked. When threatened, it can respond irrationally. There's a rush of uh, stress hormones that floods the body before the prefrontal lobes that have executive functioning can mediate this. Dr. Iacoboni will give us more details as, as he's an expert in this. But there's usually three signs of this amygdala hijack. One, it's a strong emotional reaction. Two, it comes on very sudden, many times out of our control. And three, you may regret your actions when you reflect on it. There's been many highly publicized uh, hijacks. And I'm going to just mention a few of them. When people's impulse control gets marginalized, they don't have access to their executive functioning. One was a world soccer player, uh, Zinedine Zidane. Um, this was last year, and many of you may remember him, and he's known now for the famous headbutt. And he lost his self-control, headbutted Marco Materazzi, in front of 28.8 billion world soccer viewers over 213 countries. This was the last game of his career. He had to leave, leave the field. The team, uh, his team, France, eventually lost, and he had to leave the field in disgrace. He got hijacked, something uh, that Materazzi may have said, but we don't know exactly what, and he just lost it and headbutted him. I'm sure you've seen it on YouTube over and over. Another example of a hijack, and Bill Clinton's follies with Monica Lewinsky. On some level, you know, our ex-president uh, lost impulse control, probably these impulsive responses, and as the head executive, lost executive functioning. One that goes back to 1993 that many of you are familiar with, Mike Tyson, the, the ex-heavyweight uh, champion of the world, got head-butted by Evander Holyfield. And he lost it. He got hijacked, leaned over, and bit off Holyfield's ear. Bad business decision, cost him $3 million, lost his license. We know many of the Enron executives got hijacked uh, over their tenure, you know, following their impulses and not using executive functioning. And then one of the uh, ones from uh, politics again, Howard Dean, his infamous scream in the 2004 primaries, Many times people saw that and said, this guy's out of control. He did have a history of other hijacks, um, and that probably is one of the factors why he ended up losing uh, the primaries. So think about times that you get hijacked. Where we'll talk to Dr. Iacoboni uh, about this, what happens, what happens to your executive functioning. Do you lose IQ points? And if so, how many do you lose when this stress over, overwhelms you? So that's the one piece. But then I also want to talk about empathy. This is the first one time that we're going to be talking about a specific emotional intelligence competency. Empathy, how do you build it? Um, Dr. Iacoboni is going to talk about what goes on in the brain with that. But empathy is one of the building blocks of other key competencies of executives. You need empathy to communicate well, to be trustworthy, 
for self-awareness, to be able to build bonds with folks, conflict resolution, to um, have service orientation, to really focus on your customers, have empathy, to be a leader, kind of the focus of this talk of having empathy, and being a uh, change catalyst to have influence. So what is empathy? Empathy is the ability to understand other people uh, and accurately hear the unspoken or partly expressed thoughts, feelings, and concerns of others. It implies taking an active interest in other people. So there's a lot of research that supports the, you know, the value of this empathy. Could be, you could see this as a soft skill, but as in being a star leader, it's a very important skill. Empathy requires self-awareness, your sensitivity to others' feelings, and it really derives of being aware of your own feelings, some of the things that Dr. Iacoboni will talk to us more about. It's been known that physicians who are better at recognizing the emotional aspects of patients are more successful at treating them than less sensitive counterparts. It's also been known that uh, the ability to read others' needs appears to come naturally in the most successful managers of product teams. Empathy has been found uh, to be effective in sales, in small and large retailers, and it also reduces stereotypes that may cause anxiety in poor performers. So we know the way the brain goes that we're wired to connect, and we rely on these connections with others for our emotional stability. Some of the research shows that if a male has three or more intense stresses in a year, think of uh, money troubles, a divorce, or being fired. Many times they call this the triple death rate um, in people who are socially isolated so that they're going to be at risk for heart attack. If they have money troubles, divorce, being fired. But if they have close relationships, people that, who are empathic with them, they're empathic with them, there's no impact. So the triple death rate has no impact if you have really good relationships. What are your relationships like? And do you have good close friends? And we also know when people are in a good conversation, there's this physiological mirroring. Dr. Iacoboni will talk about the mirror neuron. When three strangers are in silence for one to two minutes, um, the person who's most, most emotionally expressive transmits that mood to others. Emotions are contagious. So let's take a quick look to see where you are. Are you average or are you star in regarding to empathy? Okay, the average performer listens well, reads nonverbals, and is open to diversity. Now, that's the average performer. The star performer also does that, but they actively listen. They see uh, and are sensitive to others' perspectives, and they understand others. Where are you on that? Are you average or are you star? And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk with Dr. Iacoboni about the mirror neuron, his new book, and his sense of what happens when people have an emotional reaction. The Bottom Line in Business Talk. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. 
seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart. Grow profit. And grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Grow Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? How can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. You're listening to Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. If you have a question for Dr. Nadler, feel free to email him at rnadler at truenorthleadership.com. Now, back to Dr. Rell. Hi, this is Dr. Rell Nadler with the Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance, giving you some hands-on emotional intelligence tools and practices. And I'm very happy to have Dr. Marco Iacoboni here from UCLA's Brain Mapping Center. He's going to tell us shortly about uh, what is a functional MRI. His work has been covered by the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, Wall Street Journal, Newsweek, Time, The Economist, major TV networks. He's very excited about a new book that he's just finished that's going to help us folks get a better idea of this mirror neuron. It's entitled Mirroring People, and it will be published uh, in the spring of 2008. Dr. Iacoboni, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me, really. And I'm just you know, curious, maybe you can give us a little bit of background, just kind of your history and your research, and then maybe move into, I know a lot of your work is, is with this functional MRI, how long has it been around, and exactly what is it? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a neurologist. I'm an Italian, as you can hear from my accent. And, in fact, you know, when you were telling uh, <laughs> the story about the headbutt, I was clearly resonating with that. Yeah, I, I, I imagine that you must have been watching that and, and happy because you're Italian. Exactly. And <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you. It was an act of folly from Zinedine Zidane. He's a great player, but he got ejected and we won the cap. Uh-huh. In fact, it's such a good example of losing control of your emotion that I actually put it in the book, in my mirroring people Oh, you book. did? And I think that what happens is that when you actually watch 
over and over again, that clip from YouTube, you can still feel the emotions, both the rage from Zidane and the uh, pain from Materazzi. And when you do that, you have to understand that they're really your mirror neurons that are doing that. And we'll talk about all that later. But let me give you more of my background and, and fMRI and what it is. And okay, what it good, does. good. So again, I'm a neurologist. I'm originally from Italy. I'm now a faculty in the Brain Mapping Center, which is one of the best imaging uh, centers in the world. Mm. And um, we use a lot of different techniques to study the brain, but certainly the one that is more popular is called fMRI. It's like an MRI machine. It's the hardware is exactly like a classical MRI. But you can change the software, and with that, you can look at how different brain regions get activated uh, when people do certain things. So I can put you in the scanner, and I can ask you to move your hand. And uh, when you move your hand, I can see your motor cortex getting activated. That's the part of the brain that controls mm -hmm. your movement. And so we can really study the brain um, in um, subjects that are uh, cooperating and doing various tasks in the scanner. And that really helped a lot understanding how the brain works. And uh, it's been used in the last 15 years or so. So it, I was going to ask you that because <clears throat> I thought it was a little more recent. So in the last 15 years, there's been functional MRIs. Mm -hmm. Okay. And why is it maybe in the last five years, it seems like, a, is it just a lot more research has been happening more recently? Well, in, in the first five to ten years, there was a lot of fine-tuning. So the discovery was made very in the early 90s that with just changing the software, you could actually look at the brain physiology, how the brain responds to a variety of stimuli. But it took a while to refine it and to make it so user-friendly that now we can do all sorts of experiments in the scanner. I mean, one thing that we have done is to show subjects the Super Bowl ads um, and see how the brain responds to that. But it took a little while to uh, fine-tune the machines and make it friendly for subjects. Okay. And so let's say over, over the last five years, how many of these functional MRIs have, have you done at the Brain Mapping Center? Oh, we are uh, we're doing hundreds and hundreds of subjects, and uh, uh, most of the research we do is really on this system called the mirrors, I mean my lab, because there are various labs in the Brain Mapping Center. But what my lab does is really focusing on this system, which is called the mirror neuron system. Okay. Um, so the idea is that the... Some, some scientists were studying the monkey brain and they found that some cells fire when the monkey makes an action, say grasping something, and also when the monkey sees somebody else making the action. Huh. Now, this is really kind of counterintuitive because people would have thought that you, know, you have some parts of the brain that control your movements and some other parts of the brain that really respond to watching people doing things. Right. Here you have the same cell that fires when you make an action when you see somebody else doing it. And mm. it seems a very simple mechanism for understanding the, um, not only the action of somebody else, but also all the other things that are associated with an action. And those are intentions. They are emotions. So it's a very simple way that nature devised to make us connected with, with each other, to understand each other at, at a very simple um, emotional uh, level. So, so you talk about <clears throat> excuse me, moving uh, action. So when someone moves, uh, the same part of the brain fires that when, when I move. Exactly. When I... It's almost as like if you are kind of imitating 
what I'm doing, except that you're doing all in your head. You know, you're not doing it with your body. Mm-hmm. But basically, the same cells in your brain that would fire if you were doing the action mm-hmm. are uh, activated when you actually just watch me doing those things. Now, are the mirror neurons all over the brain, or are they located in a specific area? Well, when these things were discovered in the monkey, they were found in two brain regions of the monkey brain. And uh, with brain imaging, we have pretty much confirmed that similar regions of the human brain have mirror neurons. But now we know that it's actually much more, the system in the human brain is much more expanded, which makes sense because humans are really good at imitating others Mm -hmm. and being empathic. And so it makes sense that the system really expanded a lot in the human brain. So, so it may be in, in many different regions then, yeah. Right. And it, it does seem like it, it, it adds a lot of validity to um, imitation learning, you know, from what, what it's called social learning theory. When someone watches someone doing something, they're better able to do it. So now we know internally their brain is mimicking what's been done. Correct. I mean, this in psychology, this social learning theory really emphasized that the way you learn things is by watching other people doing things. Mm-hmm. And it's not just matter of learning complex things, but even just, you know, if you are in a new environment and you don't know how to behave, what do you do? You watch what other people do. Mm. And you kind of conform to what other people do. And that's, uh, it seems that this system is really important for learning um, how to do things just by watching others. That's, that's just fascinating. So um, are there some people who may be born with an impaired mirror neural system I'm thinking about, I, I worked with an executive once who was very, very smart, you know, one of the smartest people I know about, but really could not read other people. And I've, I've heard the term mind blind. Right. Um, he couldn't read what was going on in the room, whether he was effective, whether they were engaged. They weren't engaged, but he was very bright. And I think the term mind blind just really made sense when I heard that about him. Yeah, and I think that that's an experience that lots of people have in their life. They uh, run into other people that really don't seem to understand uh, their human fellows and uh, how they respond and so on. And although it's, I mean, it would be, I wouldn't say that really they don't have mirror neurons at all. Uh, certainly, they don't seem to be using those cells uh, effectively uh, in their own brain. And we have data and we have published studies that show that there are individual differences. Some people tend to be more empathic to understand others much better than uh, other people. And the more you tend to be empathic, the more you tend to have this system in your brain activated. We have done brain imaging studies that show very nice correlation. So the more you tend to understand what other people are feeling, uh, the more you have this system pretty active in your brain. Hmm. If you are mind-blind, this system seems to be really kind of uh, sleeping in your brain. It's not really working. Hmm. Okay. Now, you you were talking about um, when someone does an action. So the mirror neuron picks up actions, imitates, reflects that back. What, What does it do with emotions? Well, same thing. I mean, after all, most of our emotions are really expressed through our body, and especially with the face. So there are mirror neurons that fire for facial expressions. So when, I, when I'm happy, I have a very particular facial expression. I smile and so on. If I'm sad, I'm crying and so on. So with, the, with our face, we actually make actions that really express our emotions, our internal feelings. And sometimes they're subtler than you know, the examples I'm giving you, but that, that's pretty much the story that these cells do not simply code hand actions, grasping and so on, but, but they also code actions that you make with your face. 
and so um, what we call facial expressions. And in fact, you can mirror these facial expressions. We have done several studies on that. And um, the, the, the same thing that I told you earlier applies to facial expression. People tend to be, there are differences between people. Some people tend to be much more, um, much better at mirroring others. And those are the ones that tend to be much more empathic to understand the mental states and the, the emotional states of other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so it basically mirrors action, but it also mirrors emotions. And then... Do we do we feel the same emotion um, that the other person is, is projecting out? Yeah, we feel a, a very similar emotion. As you said at the beginning, there is a phenomenon which is called emotional contagion that is right. well studied by psychologists and social scientists. But in fact, I mean, now we we have an understanding of how the brain implements this, and mm-hmm. these cells are the ones that actually uh, implement this emotional contagion. Now, so let's say someone is able to receive those and they, they mirror what's going on. Um, I'm just thinking from the emotional intelligence world, one of the competencies uh, is emotional self-awareness. I'm wondering, does it, have you found that people may be mirroring something, but they're not sure what it is, and they, they're not able to kind of put it into a language of what, what they're feeling? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of uh, emotional stuff that goes on that people don't know how to put in words, and um, that actually affects their behavior. We haven't done a lot of experiments on this yet, but uh, certainly it's a phenomenon that's been well studied by psychologists. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we know is that, for instance, you can actually try to change the way you um, pick up um, signals from other people. For instance, one thing that we we have been saying all along is that Given that this system is very important for imitation, a way of training the system, of getting, being more empathic, of, being, of resonating with others, understanding the, um, the feelings of other people, is to uh, do some kind of a treatment that is based on imitation. And in fact, this is now used in patients with autism, which are you know, the most blind, mind-blind people that you can possibly find. And, and which, which people you said? Patients with autism. Oh, autism, yeah, yeah. And 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 so you said that the treatment is to then actually purposefully imitate the other other person. Yeah, and the idea why well, it's actually trickier than that because in fact I mean imitation, especially there's plenty of evidence that people when they interact socially they kind of imitate each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And one thing you don't want to do is to just start saying, okay, now you imitate what I do because that's what we call a top-down kind of approach, and it's not doesn't really work too well. For instance, when it comes to the patients with autism, what it's been done, and these are really sometimes really young uh, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, the therapist often starts imitating what the, what the infant is doing. I mean, maybe may the infant may be playing, and so the, 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 the therapist starts imitating what the infant does, and then right. they start playing these imitation games, and that really helps a lot to these kids. They become much, much better. So, in principle, although nobody has ever done this, as far as I know, one could. Uh, Hello? I think we have another minute. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, So, in principle, even though um, nobody has done this, as far as I know, one could conceive that you could do some kind of a treatment, some kind of a uh, training, such that people can learn to become more empathic, to understand the mental states and the emotional states of other people. And and you said, certainly by imitating, but then you were saying to not just do it rotely, that's the top-down approach? 
Yeah, I mean, in babies and I mean, in young kids, it's been done with this more like bottom-up approach in which the therapists start imitating. Oh, I got you. But I guess, you know, if you're talking about, for instance, executives that want to improve their uh, empathic abilities, maybe a top-down approach would work too. I mean, it's not, it's not been done yet, but clearly this neuroscience tells us that this should actually work quite well. And then what, so just explain a little bit, what would the top-down approach be? I mean, who would be doing what? Well, for instance, you you can just try to train yourself um, in a kind of you, you make a rational decision. Okay, I'm going to go to uh, to a therapist that tells me I start start imitating what I do, and so there is a very explicit kind of uh, uh, teaching of how imitating how you want to imitate other people. Okay, okay, I got you. And, and so, um, let's say if we're focusing on leaders, would would a direct report um, if they were to kind of imitate. I mean, they're already doing that unconsciously, so we're saying to kind of do it more consciously. Right. To imitate uh, their leader that um, they'd have a better understanding of maybe what would be going on for that leader. Absolutely. And and so imitate facial expressions, imitate breathing, imitate posture, movement, all those? Correct. All these things. And there is evidence that, in fact, if you do that, people are going to like you more. There are studies that show that if you start imitating others, and then these other people are asked, so how do you feel about that guy? And it turns out that the more you imitate them, the more they say, oh, I like that guy. Right. (laughs) Now, there is a piece in here about, and I've seen some of that literature, does it need to be genuine? You know, does the other person pick up? When the other person is mimicking, are they able to say, hey, you're just copying me? That's a, that's a technique. Right. I think that that's a very good point. I mean, you could do it in two ways. You could do it in a genuine way. You could do it in a way that tries just to uh, copy the other individual. If you just copy the other individual, it's not going to work. I mean, okay. maybe you want to do it at the beginning if you really not, if you don't have the tendency to do it in a more genuine way. Right. But eventually you get to do it in a genuine way. Otherwise, it's not going gonna, gonna to work. Okay, great. Well, so we're going to take a, a, a short break here, and we'll, we'll be uh, back with Dr. Iacoboni and talking about how to enhance and raise the mirror neuron and other uh, aspects about the brain. Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared for continuing business education. Business Talk Radio. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. No matter what your business is, your company's employees are your most valuable assets. Corporate mentoring cultivates and strengthens your employees' skills and talents so that everyone benefits. 
Tune in every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern to Mentoring Matters. Mentoring in today's business world with hosts Rainy Petrin and Dave Carson and discover what a mentoring program can do for you and your company. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Listen wherever you are. 24-hour business and financial news. Solid, focused, and informed. The leader in business talk. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. If you have a question for Dr. Nadler, feel free to email him at rnadler at truenorthleadership.com. Now, back to Dr. Rell. We're back with Leaders Playbook, talking with Dr. Iacoboni uh, from the UCLA Brain Imaging Center, one of the experts in the world about the mirror neuron. We're talking about the mirror neuron and how to develop that mirror neuron. Um, so one of the questions uh, about this, uh, Dr. Akboni, is really being able to imitate uh, others. That's one of the treatments that you're saying that you use, especially around uh, autism. Mm-hmm. Are there other, other, other ways that you're finding to enhance um, the mirror neuron? Well, so far, that's the one that we have uh, actually advocated because the neuroscience that we were doing really told us that that was the way to do it. And I would say that uh, it's probably the most effective. Um, other ways of doing it, one could, I guess one could conceive some form of inner imitation. Suppose that they really want to understand what's going on uh, with you. They really pay attention to the way you move your body, the way you uh, mm-hmm. move your face and mm-hmm. you express your emotions. And even without an overt imitation of what you do, I may be able to be more empathic about, uh, you know, your emotional states and so on. Okay. You know, one of the strategies, techniques I saw that was very interesting along to what you're saying is, it's a really building resonance, is to, to yourself to say the same thing that the talker is saying if you're a listener. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, often used in therapy, for instance. Okay. Therapists use it quite a bit, and it's very effective. You know, and I think also, as, as this is focusing on executives and leaders, you know, we're distracted. We know the mind goes a lot faster than, uh, than, we're, than people speak, so you have that kind of uh, open space that you could be thinking about something else and not listening. Mm-hmm. Times that I've tried that, it's only been a few times, of really kind of repeating to myself quietly uh, or non-verbally what the person's saying, um, you really do link in, and that may be a uh, strategy that if you want to develop some of this mirror neurons and develop your focus of listening is to yourself, repeat back what what the person is saying. Yeah, I think that you're perfectly right. I mean, the neuroscience really tell us that our brains really make us wired for empathy, for connecting with other people, and all these techniques are ways of uh, getting closer to each other because that's the, you know, the very simple mechanism that nature devised was simply just to imitate, to copy the other mm-hmm. people so that you get, kind of get into their own mind. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I mean, and given that, that sometimes, because some of this technique of mirroring goes back to, I don't know if you've heard of neuro-linguistics programming, and sometimes it's, it's uh, said, well, that's just uh, ingenuine. But I think the idea, if you actually are saying what you're saying to yourself, you know, they don't see that, but you're, you're picking up and you're, you're developing that resonance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the new sense, the, some techniques you write were kind of, uh, were already around. And a lot of uh, the knowledge that we had from, say, psychological studies, right. it's not that this new science is telling us it was wrong. It's just telling us how it works. Yep. Yep. So it makes us more uh, aware of the systems that we can use in our brain to get better at understanding others. You know, one of the things that we mentioned during the break, I, I was recently given a presentation and uh, in, during a break, quickly going to the restroom, and, and this was a place where you know, I'm in Santa Barbara, and there's some homeless, at, there are certain areas, and as I, as I walked quickly past uh, this woman, she got very upset, and as I was basically past her, she was grumbling, talking to herself, and saying how rude I was, but what... what uh, I became aware of is that she, that what was going on for her. I mean, one was she was scared or paranoid, but what was going on for her mirror neuron? What was are there people whose mirror neuron are too active? Yeah, that's a hypothesis that we have. It's not been fully proven, but I think that you know it's going to take just some time to to prove it in full. But it makes a lot of sense to uh, speculate that what happens in some people, especially people that have paranoia, that they they feel that they. We, we say they have hyper-attribution on mental states in other people. Mm-hmm. Um, probably there is a hyper-functioning of mirror neurons such that they see things in the minds of others that are not really there. Okay. So, and, and uh, have you had much chance to kind of deal with folks with either schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia, because that in the study that right we haven't done a lot of uh, actually nobody has done too many experience on that so it's still a hypothesis but it's pretty uh, reasonable hypothesis and I'm confident that in the future we're going to prove it uh-huh okay well that's that's good now one of the things that we we talked about with uh, Zidane your man that helped Italy uh, win the uh, world soccer championship that's right what what did you say in the, this idea that Goldman uses the amygdala hijack? We talked a little bit about this. What actually is going on, and, and, and how does that reaction affect the cognitive functions? Yeah, well, there are two ways. One is that you know what happened to Zidane was that he was completely um, controlled by his very primal emotions, and so he really didn't use any cognitive function to try to stop himself and so he did what he did and uh, luckily for us we won the cup (laughs) (laughs) Uh but then there is the other situation in which you actually try to control your emotions which is much better than what Zidane did but you have to also keep in mind that if you really control, if you want to control your emotion, the way you do it is you use your executive functions, your uh, uh, rational brain, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you're going to use these resources to actually control your emotions. So if you're doing, say, a very challenging task while you're trying, you're, 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 you're upset for some reason, you may control your emotions, which is still a good thing because you don't want to do crazy stuff. Right. But at the end, you're going to use your rational brain to control the emotion, you can't deploy it to actually do the task that you're doing. So, so that repressive function <clears throat> of holding down the amygdala or that, that reaction <clears throat> works, but then it takes away cognitive functioning into something that you really need your cognitive functioning for. Correct, correct. So what you really want to do, first of all, you, you want to try to be a very um, a person that has a 
very good emotional well-being because those are the people that do not get enraged, uh, they do not get out of control with their, their own emotion. That, that's the best thing to, to do to begin with. But if you're really dealing with a very strong emotional reaction, you have to understand that in order to suppress it, you're going to use your yeah. cognitive resources. <clears throat> now, I asked you earlier, and, and mostly because when I work with executives and, and talking about this hijack Mm, try, one, to try to get their attention because they want to be smart. I talked earlier about being the smartest person in the room. And so sometimes they get their attention about controlling that emotional reaction that they're going to lose IQ points. And it's maybe a uh, layman's way of, of talking about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Would you better say, you know, I guess depending on the situation, but if they're stressed out and um, there's primitive functions of working, how many IQ points would they actually lose? Well, it's hard to say because it, it depends on a variety of different factors. But I would say that you know, if in, a, in an average situation, you lose at least one standard deviation. Okay. So like ten points, fifteen points, something. Yeah. Well, and so I know just because I've had to give IQ points, you know, it's it's fifteen points. You know, hundred is average, plus or minus fifteen. Mm -hmm. So you so in a sense, um, and just trying to get these people uh, listening or the leaders listening, if you're not suppressing that primitive piece, you may go from 115, 116 in the high average IQ to now all of a sudden you're average. Correct. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I think the the stress in the corporate world is ubiquitous. You know, everything is more, better, faster. And, um, and, and trying to get people's attention to slow down a bit, um, look at some self-management techniques, so that they can get their IQ points back. I agree, yeah. And, of course, these things are transient. So if you uh, can actually uh, recover your uh, control, then you, you you may be able to recover also some of those IQ points. But certainly if you are hijacked by emotional reactions, uh, uh, you're going to lose some of your right. capacity to be smart. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. I'm, I'm glad you said that, just to emphasize that. <clears throat> now, um, is there any... Other techniques, if we're talking about to um, that, you, that you may know about to control the primitive part of the brain and to make the shift. I mean, we all know about <clears throat> count to ten, um, but are there some ways to bring in that executive functioning that may then counter that? Like you talked about when you're trying to control, are there some ways that you know about that are effective in controlling that reaction? Yeah, well, there are, I mean, again, it depends on the situation, but suppose there is something, you are in a meeting and somebody says something that you think is completely wrong. One way of really trying to um, calm down is to see the point of view of the other individual, not because you're going to end up agreeing with that, but just by changing the perspective, that's going to immediately have an effect on your emotion. Oh, that's interesting. And it may build up more empathy. Sometimes when I work with executives, <clears throat> I, I use a statement in saying, can you state their argument? Exactly. And, and so that's a great one because stating their argument, I guess we're saying if we looked at the brain mapping, you'd have to go to a different part of the brain to state their argument. Yeah, you have to take their perspective. And if you're not able to state the argument, it means that, first of all, you're not listening too well. Second of all, you almost refuse to see their standpoint. But if you actually are able to do that, you're going to control your emotions much more. Huh, okay. Okay, and we're going to go to our uh, last break here, and we'll be back with Dr. Iacoboni in just a moment. Stay tuned.
More and more people are starting their day with informative, focused business talk. Top experts. Today's business issues. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Diversity Matters is a forum for lively conversation about diversity and inclusiveness. Co-hosts and diversity consultants Richard Friend and Judy Seidenstein have mastered the art of taking issues seriously without losing a sense of humor, perspective, and grace. Broadcasting every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel, Diversity Matters with Richard and Judy engage others in celebrating people's similarities, differences, and interdependence. Through conversation with a wide range of key thought leaders and practitioners in the field, the show provides cutting-edge ideas, resources, and tools that enable people and organizations to leverage diversity and inclusiveness for high performance. Diversity Matters, a fresh and in-depth look at people at work. Business information you need from the stock market to starting and managing your business. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Leaders Playbook, tools for top performance. If you have a question for Dr. Nadler, feel free to email him at rnadler at truenorthleadership.com. Now, back to Dr. Rell. Welcome back to Leaders Playbook, a tool for top performance, hands-on tools to improve your emotional intelligence. Today, we're talking with Dr. Iacoboni from UCLA Brain Imaging Center, an expert on mirror neurons. And maybe, Dr. Iacoboni, we can talk a little bit about your your book called Mirroring People, which you were saying, and I imagine it's challenging, how do you get the terminology such that people can understand it, you know, more of the layperson? So tell us a little bit about your book and maybe what you're excited about and what's in it. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty exciting thing because there's plenty of interest in the lay audience about this discovery. It's a real recent discovery. It was made less than 20 years ago. It was made in a monkey. So it's something that, you know, to describe it in a way that is accessible to lay people may be challenging because there is a lot of, you know, 
in principle, would, this stuff started with really hardcore neuroscience. So uh, the initial papers were were written in a very uh, specialistic uh, um, terminology. But actually, it was I think it was really an exciting and rewarding experience because actually the book is really very accessible. Any general reader can read it and tells the the story of the discovery from the findings in the monkey then to the application in brain imaging that we have done mostly at UCLA and also in other labs all over the world. And finally, even the repercussions of this stuff for uh, our society. And so it's really a very exciting and rewarding um, experience to be writing this book. And I think that the great thing about it is that it can be accessible. Lots of people can understand the science and understand themselves. And... Um did you write this on your on your own, or did yeah. you have other? Oh, you did. Good. And are there you know strategies and tips like we're talking about here that can that can help the layperson? Well, I mean, it's not really focusing on specific strategies, but I'm pretty sure that if you read the book, you're going to understand very well the phenomenon. You're going to understand yourself much better. You're going to be able to control uh, your emotions and to be more empathic in a very intuitive way because it's uh-huh. very simple. I mean, it's about you know imitating others, seeing what others do, right. and this it's going to definitely help the readers. Now, I remember uh, reading this, and I, and I just want to check with you, that maybe one of the, the first things that was seen in the monkey while they were researching and, and you know, looking at the MRI, functional MRI, that the monkey responded to one of the experimenters coming in with an ice cream cone. Yeah, that's that's a famous story. That yeah, maybe because it was done in Italy, and Italian ice creams are very good. I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, the idea is that basically, yeah, the, the the monkey had an electrode in the brain, and um, when the monkey sees the uh, experimenter doing certain things, the neuron fires, even though the monkey is completely still, and that started the whole discovery. <laughs> so the whole thing about then you know dealing with the individuals getting to where then we can see how we're wired to connect with others, that all of a sudden the monkey's uh, brain got access like he was eating an, an ice cream cone. I agree. And really tells us that we're really wired for empathy. And so, in fact, you know, I really end the book talking about neuroscience and society because after all, there's plenty of bad things going on in the world. So how come that we're wired for empathy and still there are all these bad things going on in the world? And the way I really end the book is saying, you know, if you really look into yourself and you look at how you interact with others, you realize that there is this tendency to empathize. To be. Uh-huh. And so one thing that is important to keep in mind is rather, rather than thinking about big ideas, I'm a liberal, you're a conservative, think about we are both humans. We can understand each uh-huh. other. Uh-huh. To really try to understand and walk in their shoes, <clears throat> um, that's great. Well, any, uh, what would you say, any of the key challenges that you're seeing in this field at this point? I think the most important thing at this point is to try to really figure out the, what we call the individual differences. How come some people are more empathic than others? I see. What happened to their life and what can we do to actually restore this tendency to empathize? Okay. Well, great. What I want to do is, uh, before we end, is just talk a little bit about in each of these um sessions, there's a tool that you can go to www.leadersplaybook.com and um, to be able to download a um, leadership tool. And this one, uh, Dr. Iacoboni, is similar to what we've talked about. It really is looking at four levels of listening. 
and it will kind of walk you through. The first level is listening for content. The second level is listening for feelings. But if leaders can get the second level where they're listening for feelings and for content, and it's like level three in listening, um, really being able to paraphrase what the person said, but then also try to identify with what they're feeling, and it may help um, them appear to be empathic. I'm just wondering from what I just mentioned, would that also help that mirror neuron if they had to kind of feed back what they heard the person not only say content but what the feeling was? Absolutely. I mean, again, the whole point of imitating each other, that's the whole. It's really capturing the term mirror because it's really about mirroring. And so repeating what others have said, it's uh, a good trick. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. All right. Um, any other last words that you'd like to say before we uh, close this down? Well, I think the good thing about this science is this is telling us that we are better than probably we thought about ourselves. And that's, uh, I really like to end up with a note of optimism and uh, hope. Well, that's great. And especially, like you're saying, if we're wired to connect, we're wired to be empathic. Um, and, and I imagine it's got to be so rewarding, the work that you're doing, if you can get this message out and globally get more people to enhance their empathy, thus their mirror neurons, you know, there could be more peace and less violence. That's right. That's exactly right. That's why I think I'm excited about the book, because it's one way of actually spreading the message. Oh, that's great. Well, um, I've really had to appreciate you, you being on the line here, hearing about your research now. If people want to um, hear more about you or, or hear about the book, is there a website or a place where the book will be available? Uh, well, the publisher is Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux, and uh, there, there's going to be, um, at this point, the book has just started being in production, so there isn't a lot of uh, uh, advertisement about it, but in a few months, it'll be a, you can pre-order it and it'll be available. You can, viewers can look at my website, it's um, jacoboni.bmap.ucla.edu. And you want to spell Jacoboni? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> it spells I-A-C-O-B as in Bob, O-N as in Nancy, I. Ah, oh, that's great. Well, thank you very much for your time. Fascinating research. It ties into this world of emotional intelligence and one of the key skills of empathy. Each one of these leaders' playbook tools for top performance from here on in will be presenting some other key competencies, talk with a uh, stars in that area, and then give you um, hands-on tools from the Coach's Corner on things that you can do to raise your performance. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Leader's Playbook with Dr. Relly Nadler. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Rell, or if you would like to email him directly, visit his website at www.truenorthleadership.com. And be sure to join us next Monday for another episode of Leader's Playbook. We'll see you then.